This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. As the Russian invasion of Ukraine continues, one big surprise is that Russia hasn't launched an all-out cyber war in the country. The Russian military hasn't disabled power or water. And the Internet still works, which has allowed Ukrainians to organize and communicate. Russia has sophisticated cyber capabilities, and it's not exactly clear why it hasn't deployed them. But experts say cyber attacks could increase in the coming days and weeks. Craig Timberg is a national reporter covering technology for The Washington Post, and he joins us now with more on this aspect of the conflict in Ukraine. Welcome to Reset, Craig. Thanks for having me on. How surprised are experts that the Internet and and many other systems are still working in much of Ukraine? Pretty darn surprised. (laughs) We talked to (laughs) these folks before the invasion, which, of course, we all knew was likely to come. And and there was a a widespread sense that one of the first things you do when you invade a country is is blind them. You You make it impossible for them to get information from the outside world and for their sensors to work and to organize. And you also make it very hard for them to get their messaging out. Uh, to the outside world, so both coming and going, and neither of those things have really happened. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still managing to communicate with a Ukrainian friend of mine over WhatsApp. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. Could could Russia have knocked out the internet if it had chosen to? Probably. Um, like, does it you know, have the capability two, to do that? It, there's different ways to do it. Um, you know, Russia has some of the most formidable cyber um, military capacities in the world, and so. Presumably, they probably could have shut down some servers at the major Internet nodes. But there's also, you know, physical Internet cables that, um, you know, you probably could have sent special ops teams in in a you know more old-fashioned military way to just go and destroy those things. I think we all saw a video of the missile coming into that radio tower um, in Ukraine yesterday. Um, but we haven't seen a lot of that. We haven't seen attacks. We haven't seen a lot of attacks on communications infrastructure yet, and it's surprising. Yeah. Well, what are some of the the possible reasons that Russia has chosen to proceed this way, like with forceful attacks from land, air and sea, but not as many cyber attacks as we expected? You know, bearing in mind that, um, you know, the Russian military is not talking to me. I'm not privy to their thinking directly. Um, What are your contacts telling you? Yeah, the, the experts say a variety of things. One is, you know, there's a theory of kind of Russian arrogance here that they were going to sweep into Ukraine and take over in, you know, in a couple of days, and that once they were in charge, they didn't want to have to spend a lot of time and money fixing things. You, know, you break things, you also have to fix them. And so, you know, blowing up a bunch of communications infrastructure might have come with a long-term cost, you know, in some future occupation phase. Um, and that seems plausible. Um, you know, another theory that is that is shared uh, pretty widely is, you know, we've seen images of, of Russians using their smartphones in, in Ukraine to communicate. Now, one would think that, you know, a modern superpower would have, you know, digital encrypted tactical radios on the ready to, you know, to manage communications, but it, maybe that's not true. Maybe they, they also needed the internet to communicate with one another and coordinate. The third theory is that, you know, once you once you use a cyber weapon to, you know, wipe out a hard drive or shut down a server, you lose the idea you lose the ability to spy on that computer. And so, you know, you, you could you can break a computer, but you know, you can always put new computers online and maybe that maybe the intelligence value of keeping these computers online just outdoes was more important to them than the sort of tactical value of shutting them down. I see. Well, we have seen uh, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky uh, turn to social media 
to, to rally Ukrainians and, and reach out for support from other nations. How crucial has the Internet been for Ukrainians since their country was invaded? I mean, absolutely crucial. I, you know, two really big surprising things have happened in the first week of this war. One is that Ukraine and, you know, the capital Kiev in particular didn't fall quickly. I think, you know, we're used to thinking of, of Russia as very powerful, and of course it is, and we think of other countries as not nearly as powerful, and Ukraine certainly is not. But, you know, fighting on their own home turf, the Ukrainians have, at least for now, really mounted a defense of their major the major cities. And so that has kind of bought time and oxygen, if you will, for for the second thing I'm about to say, which is it's been, there's been an opportunity to reflect on what this means and what Ukrainians are going through and what Ukrainians want and believe. Mm-hmm. And that's been made possible because of the social media, Telegram and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, you name it. They have been incredibly sophisticated. It's a very technologically adept country. There's lots of Ukrainians who work in the technology industry in the United States and Europe. And they've really been able to turn those tools against Russia. You know, we all thought that the Russian disinformation machine was just going to crush Ukraine. The reverse has kind of happened. They've really been able to make their case in very direct emotional terms to the world. And that's been very effective. Yeah. Well, to that end, you know, here in the U.S., as I, as I said, it's, it's impossible not to see videos or news about Ukraine. So talk more about how much this increased global awareness is affecting how Russia would approach cyber war. I'll, I'll start with an anecdote. You know, my 15-year-old daughter, um, she doesn't pick up the Washington Post, which is on her breakfast table every morning, but she does oh, no. keep track of the world on, on TikTok and on YouTube, etc., Instagram. And she said to me, like, you know, a few days ago, is, is President Zelensky going to be killed? Is, is his son going to be killed? You know, she had really engaged on this on an emotional level, and she doesn't know anything about <laughs> President Zelensky. She, she didn't even know that he that he really is a former actor and comedian who just sort of, you know, had gotten into this role, that he wasn't very popular before this war started. Mm-hmm. She didn't know any of that, but she had seen him and seen accounts of him on social media, and they really resonated with her. So from, like, just a, just a propaganda point of view, it's been, it's been incredible. Now, you know, is Russia going to be more brutal now and, and act more aggressively in cyberspace? I mean, I have to assume... Yes. I mean, they're shelling more aggressively. They're sending more missiles into more places. Those tanks look very ominous on the roads north of Kyiv. Um, but, you know, the experts in cyber warfare say, like, the time to really, you know, sort of uh, act effectively in this space was right at the beginning. Blind them and make them invisible to the world. Like, that's what, that's what cyber warfare is really good at. And they, they didn't do those things. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, We're talking with Craig Timberg. He's a national Washington Post tech reporter, and we are discussing the impact of Russian cyber attacks on Ukraine. Coming up on the program, can Chicago become a destination for biotech innovation? We'll discuss. Uh, Craig, picking up where you you left off, uh, let's imagine for a moment, what would a cyber war look like? Like what types of attacks could Russia launch in the coming days and weeks? Well, it's a great question. In in 2015, Russia basically turned off the power in Ukraine, um, and uh, that that's a darn effective thing to do, right? I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't charge your cell phones, and your cell towers don't have electricity, and your hospitals don't have electricity. Oh yeah, like that's a that's a really big problem. So the Russians did that just a few years ago, but since then, um, 
you know, Ukraine has really re-engineered their systems to make them more resistant to that sort of thing. Um, I, I presume that the Russians are capable of, of penetrating, you know, any computer in um, in Ukraine that they want to, and you know, maybe wiping out their data, maybe planting, you know, disinformation on those computers. Those are the kinds of things that can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if the uh, if the Ukrainians are, are coordinating mainly on Telegram, for example, you can theoretically block telegram within a country if you have enough sort of like tactical um you know energy put at that target but you know nothing like that has happened i have a i have a source who sort of tracks the internet full time Mm -hmm. and and we just we just haven't seen major outages even even there was a there was an outage in a in a city in an eastern separatist region yesterday but that was really the first big one that we'd seen and that was in a place that that had been shelled it could well be that the internet outage was just a result of a bomb hitting in the wrong place. Mm. So if any or all of those things we just described were to happen, does Ukraine have the technical capability to counter a Russian cyber attack? To a point, yeah. I mean, they, they my understanding is that they now have tactical radios that would allow their military to, to communicate. Um, I presume that a lot of Ukrainians at this point have satellite phones and uh, and ability to get electricity and such. So yeah, I mean, I don't think the Russians could could shut the country down using cyber attacks at this point. But you certainly can make it a lot more difficult. Um, and uh, you know, maybe maybe you can't stop the president of a country from making direct appeals over social media. But you know, it's like forty some million Ukrainians at, at the moment. It feels like they're all, all online and all communicating right. with the outside world. You certainly can make that. Um, a lot harder to execute. There is one like technical thing here that is probably consequential to this conversation, which is, you know, the internet in the end is a series of, of wires and connections. Most of the biggest and most important wires out of Ukraine are in are in the West. They're in on the border areas um, with with nations that are part of NATO, and we mm-hmm. haven't seen much military activity out there. Um, and I do think that Russia would be careful to, to get too close to NATO nations with bombs, et cetera. And that could be part of what's going on here, that that, the, that to really shut down the Internet, you'd have to be much more militarily aggressive in yeah. places that they may perceive as more dangerous and also maybe better protected. I also wondered if uh, if that was something Russians did. Could disabling communications within Ukraine hinder their own ability to talk to their own troops? Yeah, and, and, and also talk back to their bosses in Moscow, right? right. I mean, that, that, that's that's the thing. Like, these communications systems are used by everybody. The Internet's really used by everybody. And, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a cost to, to taking it down, which is why, you know, you, know you, see, you see despotic governments oftentimes will shut down the Internet when there's big protests in their country and they'll, and they'll block social media and such. Like, that's a technically not a terribly difficult thing to do. Um, but it comes at a price because suddenly all those government ministers and their kids and their families and their friends can't use the internet either. And, and you know, nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. It's a very wired, wired world. And you start messing with the kind of data ecosystem and there's a lot of unintended consequences. Ukrainian officials have also welcomed help from a volunteer IT army to hack the Russian government. Who's in that group? I don't, I don't really know who's, who's in it. it. These tend to be very loose um, collectives of hackers, sort of politically active hackers. They tend to be transnational, um, and but they've they've caused a little bit of trouble in in, in Russia. Uh, you know, the, the 
the Kremlin website and some others have gotten what are called DDoS attacks, which are basically efforts to flood websites with so many requests for data that the sites crash. You've probably seen that happen um, mm -hmm. with sites you like once in a while. And uh, so that kind of stuff has happened to the point where Russia has actually disconnected um, a lot of its sensitive government websites from the broader um, internet. They've, 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 you can get to them if you happen to be in Moscow or St. Petersburg or whatever, but you can't that easily get to them from London or San Francisco or or Ukraine, for that matter. They've they've, they've kind of walled off those sites, and I believe that is a response to this sort of you know, sort of hacktivist armies coming in and and, and messing with their sites. Also, by by kind of disconnecting from the larger internet a little bit, you make it you make it harder for hackers to get in. I mean, yeah. far from impossible, but it's like another it's another like moat in the you know, built in your battlements to the, that hackers would have to cross if they wanted to break in and steal stuff or move data around. Well, to that end, what are tech experts keeping an eye on this week as the attacks continue in Ukraine? There's a lot of interest in social media um, and on both sides. I mean, the 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 Russians are, you know, are throttling Facebook and and making it harder for American social media companies to work. But the Ukrainians are, are also putting a lot of pressure on Silicon Valley to limit the availability of kind of mainstream American tech services to, to Russians, things like Apple Pay and YouTube and such. Now, um, you know, these things get very complicated very quickly. You can make a very good argument that you don't want RT, the big state propaganda broadcaster, to be on to be on YouTube because they're you know they're peddling all this disinformation. At the same time, you know the Russian opposition uses YouTube. Um, Russians who are spreading information about the horrors in Ukraine use all these social media platforms. So this sort of war over who can use what is 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 very pitched and it involves both sides. And there's frankly no, it's not clear to me what the what the right answers are on any of this stuff because uh, you know if you if you were to wall off. Russia generally from social media or from the internet, what that means is that Russians only have access to what the government wants to show them. Yeah. And that's probably not a good thing either. Craig Timberg is a national reporter covering technology for the Washington Post. Craig, thanks so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.